0: Hey, good morning. Scott Luden and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory,
1: how are we doing? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing
0: wonderful. Did y'all have a big uh, shindig for your brother, Mitch, last night? Did you fly up Indianapolis and back really quick?
1: (laughs) We had a great big shindig on Facebook. Happy (laughs) birthday, little brother, right? (laughs) Well, had a blast yesterday on the buzz. Really
0: enjoyed uh, Sylvia, yeah. Judy stopping in. We had a great conversation. And today's going to be a continuation here in this monster week of programming at Supply Now. Today, Greg, we're going to be talking about carrier diversification the what, the why, the how. And we're going to be leaning on the expertise of a couple of repeat guests that we know and love uh, from yeah. Rate Links. Should be a great conversation, right?
1: Yeah. It's funny. You know, we've been talking about this topic a lot. and Just yesterday, I posted about Joanne Stores. They don't like to be called Joanne Fabrics anymore. Joanne Stores and Abercrombie and Fitch making their own provisions for ocean carriers. Lots of companies are doing it for truckload and LTL. They're becoming their own carrier. They're broadening their contract base. Yeah, I'm really curious because this is an area where obviously Shannon and Nate, oh, sorry. They can, (laughs) everybody knows we've been promoting this, Scott. We've been promoting it. (laughs) That's true. Uh, that's true, but where Shannon and Nate, can, you know, can really shine and and bring a, a ton of expertise in, in terms of what's going on in the marketplace today,
0: tons by the truckload. Been there, done that, literally. And been some. So, and and they're doing it differently than all the other Johnny Come Latelys. Uh, if that's still a, is that still a word? Is that still a phrase, Greg?
1: You know, it, it's often the phrase I use in regard to Shannon and the Rate Links team because it seems like over the last several years, TMS has been popping up all over the place, right? They've been doing it for a long time, have had a, a visionary point of view on the marketplace. And it feels like the market is finally ready to adopt and adapt to what, to what rate links has been promoting and really enabling for over a decade. So That's right. So you're going to have
0: the opportunity to learn from two supply chain OGs here today, TMS OGs here on supply chain now. So stay tuned and folks, Hey, buckle up, get ready. We, you know, bring it today because we want to hear from you too. You know, we're, we're about to bring on Shannon and Nate with rate links and we'll formally welcome in uh, them in just a second, but Hey, hopefully you packed your voice and a sandwich. And so you can share what's on your mind over the next hour, as we talk about the big topic of carrier diversification. Okay. So Greg, let's say hello to a few folks before we bring in our esteemed guests. Hey, look here. James Malley uh, with Packerit. We were just talking about James
1: yesterday, right? Always (laughs) consolidating, James Malley. Yo, right? Never, (laughs) never. Make sure you use just the right size packaging for everything, including words.
0: Yes, you beat me to it, man. You beat me to it. Never a wasted syllable with uh, (laughs) Mr. Malley. But James, great to see you. I think you're tuned in from, uh, he lives in Brooklyn, right? Bronx, Brooklyn, New York. Let's just say New York. That's general. right. Uh, so, James, correct us, but great to have you here. Looking forward to your upcoming show with us here. Todd Burke is tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, Todd, I don't know if you saw, clearly you've got a real NBA. I was sharing earlier, or maybe in the weekend, about John Wooden and what he referred to when he oh, talked man. about the NBA. Yeah. That is, so, Coach Wooden was about a mop-bucket attitude. There was never too ta- ne- never any task to uh, – that was – Beneath any coach, any player, all whatever it takes to win as a team. So I love that acronym. But, Todd, great to have you here and let us know where you're tuned in from. Shashi is tuned in from the
1: UAE, Greg, via LinkedIn. Man, we have a big audience in uh, the Emirates, don't we? Thanks we probably do. in large part to Kim Winter and his team at Logistics. That's Executive, right. Executive, right? But
0: The one and only Kim Winter. Uh, Kumar is tuned in via LinkedIn. Kumar, let us know where you're tuned in from. We'd love to connect the dots. Libby, hello, Libby, via LinkedIn. Of course, we couldn't, Libby's an outstanding advocate and facilitator, right, Greg?
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. She keeps Nate and Shannon on the straight and narrow.
0: (laughs) That's right. Libby, great to see you. Catherine, of course, big thanks to Catherine and Clay, Amanda and Chantel, all the folks behind the scenes to help make uh, the production happen today. Man, Josh Goody is back from Seattle via LinkedIn. Josh has become a weather report running.
1: today. So it must be back to normal. That's what I'm guessing. Last couple of times it's been sunny in 70 or something like that. So
0: it's too nice. Just Josh. Yeah.
1: Don't paint just us. up. Yeah. You got to paint
0: us that rainy picture that we come to know and love, but right. kidding aside, keep bringing that POV. Josh, we love your uh, comments and our conversations, Greg, you're just talking about just gentlemen here, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're doing great things and, it's interesting that he says from the Middle East because I think he just got back there. If I recall correctly, he was just in Europe. It's so hard to keep up. Where the heck have you been, Kim? Just make a short <laughs> list. Just in the last week, maybe. Carmen San Diego is easier to keep track of than Kim Winter. <laughs> That's right. Where's and that? Where's sure. Waldo? Right. That's right. <laughs> where's, but, where's Winter? <laughs> but Winter Kim, is coming.
0: Him. Winter is coming, and, and, and just wait. He'll be in your neck of the woods. Kim, great to see you. appreciate what you do and hope to reconnect with you soon on a future Buzz episode. Clay is confirming. James Malley is it in Brooklyn. I thought so. Okay. Uh, I think he's a Mets fan, Greg. And, of course, the Mets got one over on the Braves last night, but that's okay. Game
1: two tonight. And then
0: Todd from Portland, Oregon. So, Todd, thank you. No. Uh,
1: West Coast. Oh, I wonder if the weather the same in – Portland as it is in Seattle. You know, they kind of compete for just about everything.
0: Okay. Maybe so. We'll have to check him out. Dirk, let's see here. Let me make sure. So this is, so this is a LinkedIn user. This is Dirk Stolt. So sometimes folks, if you comment and you get this LinkedIn user, you just have a security setting on your profile that doesn't share it with third-party applications. So check that out. But Dirk, Hey, big high five uh, from the Metro Atlanta area and appreciate what you're doing in Germany. Great to have you here today. Okay, so Greg, are we ready to welcome in our two esteemed guests here today? Yeah, let's do it. With no further ado, I want to welcome in Shannon Valencourt, president and founder of Rate Links, and Nate Indicott, senior vice president for global sales, marketing, and partnerships. Hey, hey, Shannon, Nate, how are we doing today?
2: Good. Oh, great. How are you guys doing?
0: We are doing wonderful. We are doing wonderful. We've got the whole gang is with us. Coast to coast doesn't do it justice. We're going around the world in about a, in not even 180 days, not even 180 minutes uh, over the next 60 minutes or so. But uh, Nate and Shannon, great to have you back. We've enjoyed our previous conversations.
2: Yes, too. Thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it.
0: You bet. And Nate, we can, we'll have to dive into some baseball analysis. I, I, you know, we might not get to it today, but as a former professional baseball player, i got to get you to weigh in on, on what the Braves are missing to this point in the season. We'll save that <laughs> for later in the conversation. This is
1: another 15-game winning streak, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. It comes down to Ws, right? That's right. Every day. Okay. So speaking of playing to win, let's talk about, as we have a lot, nice little form warm-up conversation, before we get to carrier diversification, Greg, Shannon, Nate, and really the whole team on the production side, we had some passionate debate in the pre-show about this topic we're going to start with today. And that, uh, that was important. Yeah, (laughs) this is very important. That's right. Let me have your undivided attention class as my third grade teacher, Miss Graham would like to say, and I never quite figured out what undivided meant for some reason until at least fifth grade, but Hey, let's talk about the best fries, French fries ever known to humanity. And so Greg and I, we've shared on previous shows where we think, but I want to start with Shannon. So Shannon, way into this fierce debate: where's the best French fries you ever had?
2: So I you know grew up in Chicago. So of course, McDonald's is right there. But I'm gonna go a little little off the beaten path. So what we used to do as a kid growing up in Chicago is every once in a while for a treat, we'd ride our bikes to the tasty freeze, mm. and we would get a bucket. Oh my gosh a bucket of fries yeah, and we would just sit there and it's like, I can't even imagine eating that anymore. That was like the treat. We wouldn't go to McDonald's for the fries. We'd go to Tasty Freeze.
0: Oh, Shannon. So I
2: think I'm going to go with that one.
0: You did a little. I think he had faked you in the pre-show, <laughs> Scott. Say that, a little switcheroo, Shannon, a little switcheroo. But hey. He had time to think about it, right? <laughs> All right. So Tasty Freeze gets Shannon's vote. And folks, whether you're uh, Nishant, or uh, she, uh, should you, Josh, Todd, hey, all y'all let us know where you find the best French fries known to humanity.
2: Nate, I wonder
1: if they have French fries in the Himalayas. <laughs> hey, Nishant,
0: hey, inquiring minds want to know. and that, right. that's Right. It's not too often you hear someone that's dialed into a live stream from the Himalayas. Nishant, welcome. welcome. I didn't
1: know you could get <laughs> the internet there. I mean, you're higher than anyone else, so I would think you'd be able to catch a signal somewhere, right? <laughs> So
0: so Nate, (laughs) best French fries ever, your own, the world's looking at you now. Man, I grew
3: up in Southern California, big In-N-Out fan, but I don't know. I think like Greg, we were talking about, you said a little bit thicker steak fry. I'm going to have to go with Steak and Shake. Oh, (laughs) those are skinny, Nate. (laughs) Those are skinny fries. They have. I mean,
0: uh, how big do you need them? That's, that's right. <laughs> like a steak. That's what. Nate, steak and shake are
1: delicious and they're Everybody stepping in the right has direction. direction. Thought here. I like this. I mean, we've put some serious thought into this, people. No kidding. We're getting different answers than when we had, <laughs> as Scott said, a very spirited discussion prior to coming on the air.
0: Very spirited. Hey, really quick, before we get Greg to weigh in and and uh, put a dance on all my fun, Josh says, Zips fries are the best. And that's followed closely by a shop in South Central Washington called Miners. I love that. Mm. Todd says he's going with Whataburger fries. Clay's pointing out the curveball that both Shannon and Nate just threw at us here, better than uh, what Scherzer was throwing last night. And Shashi says curly fries from Hardee's. Now, that's a new intro
1: to the, the debate. So, Shosh is right, so clearly Amanda. from the south of wherever he's from. <laughs> That's right. He's a Hardy fan, right?
0: Amanda's after my heart. She's already got it, but Catherine loves Whataburger. So, Greg, weigh in. Best fries known to man.
1: So, in, in a chain restaurant, has to be In and Out Burger. It has to be their fries. They're made right there in the store, fresh. You can literally see them slice the potato that your fries are coming from. I really value that. But I am, to Nate's point, I'm a steak fry guy, those thick, you know, fat. Oh, man. (laughs) When I was a kid, you know, when we would go to bad restaurants and eat terrible steaks. Right. That was what they had was those kind of fries. Well, we we had local bad steaks, by the way, which is ironic growing up in Kansas, isn't it? But yes, it is. But they always had those those steak fries. I guess I was just brought up wrong, Scott, because I know what your answer is going to be. And probably the answer of Billions, billions, right? Served, yes. Go ahead, tell us, Scott.
0: Yes, so so we're going to bring an end to the debate and and throw out there that the answer to this question, the righteous answer to this question, (laughs) is McDonald's French fries, as the world has spoken time and time again. So, for the sake of (laughs) for the sake of time, by the way, uh, Monica's got a great point. Homemade fries, regardless, especially I think in my uh, my nan. And anyone that's that's you know putting love in the recipe, making those homemade fries, Monica, you got a great point. So great to have you back here today, and uh, thanks for that answer. Okay, so for the sake of time, as much as we could, we could have the French fry hour, given all the passion and fervor over the topic. But I all want of it, to all of that, yeah, all of it. And you know what? We should have planned better and had French fries here in the home studio. But mm. hey, another day, another day. Greg, where are we? If, if, if since the French fry conversation and debate has been settled. Where are we yeah. going next with our esteemed Let's, guests, Shannon and Nate?
1: Yeah, I think we ought to take it down a notch from changing your life to just changing your business, right? And <laughs> talk about the topic that we've promised the audience, which is talking about carrier diversification. I let off talking about some of the some of the discussions we've had, some of the articles we've seen, you know, in talking about this. It's a huge topic right now because, even if you've got your carriers lined up, you may not have enough carriers lined up or the right carriers lined up or the right lanes covered or whatever. So I'd love to start with you, Shannon, and kind of get an idea of, I mean, what do you see other than the obvious or maybe including the obvious Mm -hmm. of having this diversified carrier network for companies?
2: You know, what's interesting is if you go back to, so I think about when I first started in the industry way back when. We would go install a system and we would put in uh, UPS, FedEx, RPS, Airborne, Postal, and DHL. Hmm. Hmm. So it was like we knew, we kind of knew all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it became two. It was, you know, you're either primarily one or the other. So you know, now you look at what's happening with the regional parcel guys. And, you know, of course, what what's the obvious thing? What's carrier diversification going to give you? It's going to give you more options. With more options, you're going to get, you know, potentially better service. You're going to get better price. You know, you look at the other modes. We've been doing this for, you know, for years on the LTL side because you've got, you know, the top 25 carriers haul over 90% of the LTL freight. You've got choices. Well, right. now we're coming out of that phase with parcel where you really only had two choices and you know when DHL went out of business here in the United States they stopped hauling domestically that was the last big challenge and the last big opportunity for diversification and now with the regional players it's it's real and it's going to allow companies to really pinpoint the areas that they want to have a different type of service and because of the competition uh, they're going to be able to get it at a good price, which is going to make sense for both them and the carrier. And I think that's, that's what we finally have shifted back. So what's, what's new was old, what's old is new again, is kind of where we're at today is how I feel.
1: Mm. There are a ton of niche players. And as you said, Shannon, regional players, people who carry larger or smaller or more hyper-local or you know, only, in a, only in a specific region, only for specific industries, you know, I, we see it every day, right? So I think that's it's really interesting, and I think we can address this maybe later. But I think that the large carriers have they've really done it to themselves because you know, part a uh, part one of the options now is Amazon, right? Amazon has parcel because the largest carriers failed them back in two thousand fourteen mm-hmm. and two thousand seventeen, and they just felt obligated to build their own network. And I think as prices and and selective customer engagement to put it politely is you know has come to UPS and some of these other carriers it's really opened the door for a lot of these regionals. Nate what do you what do you think?
3: Yeah I mean to echo what you guys are saying I mean I think the biggest thing we see across you know potentials or customers is just the customer experience like how do you go deliver that experience to your customer and then deliver on performance and cost and I think the you know, whether it's new e-commerce carriers, you know, whether it's same day, you know, on demand carriers, whether it's the big bulky guys that are trying to take some of that stuff away from the big two. I mean, you just see, you know, new carriers, it seems like popping up all the time with all the tech money and they come up with a new idea. Um, but you're also seeing a lot of the retailers and a lot of guys do it themselves and figure out ways to, hey, if, you know, they can do it, we can do it. But I, I think it's. You know now more than ever you have a choice mm. and if you don't execute on that choice you, you know you're missing out i mean those that have just kind of you know we'll get later fallen with hey we're just primarily fedex or we're primarily ups you're single source so you might have one or two or there's all these myths or uh, i guess call them excuses of why they haven't done it yet but well, customer experience is huge right now Especially, you know, with volumes as high as they they got last year, right? Now post pandemic, right. like holy cow, where are they going? So <laughs> they can't take it. What are you gonna do, and how are you gonna do it?
2: Yep.
0: Hey, really quick, Greg, before we get into some of the hurdles that, that uh, Shannon and Nate are seeing, one quick point, a couple comments. It'd be interesting to see what the new FedEx leadership. Does there's already been some some takes out there, so that'll be really interesting in the weeks and months to come. And then, of course, back to the important stuff. Lamont says, "Don't forget about five guys." Excellent uh, Nishant, point. Excellent point, right? Now, says they do have French fries near the in, near the Himalayas. He prefers McDonald's. Thumbs up there, and he says, "Hey, I'm not exactly sitting at Mount Everest, but quite near the Himalayan range." <laughs> And then finally, Josh says, you're entitled to your own opinion, Scott. Thank you for that, Josh. And by the way, Lamont's back with us from, of course, San Diego, California. So Lamont, right, we have you back?
1: So it's July. So there's a new, uh, we're back to the usual weather reports in San Diego, right? That's <coughs> right? No, should be no marine inversions after June. So I'm curious if that's actually the case.
0: Sunny, cool, and classy
1: in San Diego. Hey, you know, something, something you both said, Made me hearken back to this article. Walmart just jacked up the stock price of a company called Canoe by 80% today by ordering 4,500 of their bots, for lack of a better term, right? And getting a first option on 10,000 more for direct to home delivery, right? And these are specially, talk about specialty, these are specially built for you know, multi-stop and that sort of thing. So a really interesting development that, uh, you know, care, you know, whether it's your own carrier or whether it's somebody else's carrier, but we're really rethinking how things are being done, including drones or ground drones to air drones, right? They're talking about how to get over the fence if somebody's got a fence. So so, so an air drone comes and picks it up off the ground drone and takes it to your front door. I mean, there's just a thousand ways to get there. The big carriers. There are some big carriers getting into delivery. I just got a delivery from a company called AM Trucking because it was a kind of a refrigerator-sized thing. So there's just all kinds of of options out there. So, but there are all kinds of hindrances and hurdles, you know, for shippers and for carriers. Uh, so, what are you guys seeing in terms of? The hurdles that a lot of these companies are facing, and and how they're overcoming them. Nate, you want to tackle that? Or yeah, I, think, I don't. Whether it's take being, a swing at it. You should take a swing at it because you're a baseball player. <laughs> right. I mean, whether it's you know
3: the hurdles are always they're opportunities too. Like, how do you overcome it? How do you give wins? How do you deliver on initiatives? I mean, data and technology, I think, are the two you know things. Either lack the data and the insights of hey, where can we go? optimize and get better hey we don't know about these other guys you know So, right. it, how do you go get your arms around data become data driven or you lack technology you know or just the buy-in internally with the culture um, where you feel like you can't add any more carriers but mostly it's either data or technology I feel like are the biggest hurdles that we run into and it's something you absolutely can overcome and it's not really difficult to go integrate to these carriers so I think those are the two biggest ones, but I think you know hurdles of getting you know, you know, getting uh, away from being naive, thinking you know you got the best rate, or maybe uh, the the fear of you know hey they tell me I have the best rate, or the fear of I I don't you know, what if I move away from these guys that have been around for right. years and we trust these other guys to deliver on performance and cost for us. But I would say data and technology, I think, is what we run into the biggest. For hurdles
1: yeah that's a good point it's it's difficult to shift the switching cost is potentially high to a new carrier isn't it i mean because the risk is frankly the unknown can can they literally deliver yeah. shannon what are you seeing
2: i think it's everything that we see i mean yeah you've got technology all that good stuff but really it's the fear of change is what i i think it is it's the you know a lot of people are okay with the devil you know don't really, you know, it's like, boy, I don't know what happens. You know, what will happen? It is it is the fear of the unknown. Because we've been through, you know, all these companies and all these folks in charge out there have made change. They've done it. They've made technology changes. They've put the business cases together to show that this is the right thing to do. Uh, and usually what they're doing is something that they've done before because it's a known entity and i think that's where with all these new what look like new carriers even though a lot of these carriers are not new uh, it's that fear of the unknown and then you know it's just you know how do i how do i measure that how do i monitor that what do i do you know if it doesn't work out you know everybody's pretty fearless when there's a net so how do they mm-hmm. how do they move forward with this and that's where i think the technology comes into play you know and it's the speed to change. You know, what if it doesn't work? Can I quickly switch back? So I think that's really what we're seeing. And the more that it gets adopted, I think it's going to get overcome here pretty quickly.
0: Mm. Well said, well said. I'm going to share a couple of quick comments here. Todd says, going back to what we're talking about, uh, the major carriers, a duopoly is never good. Todd says service declines and pricing increases in uh, perpetuity innovation as hard and costly as it is is necessary amazon he continues to say with their infrastructure and capital will continue to take market share excellent point there todd gets to good stuff there and shashi says price war is a huge concern as the services decline and especially with oil pricing going higher and higher shashi says delivery performance will receive the dent any before we get shift gears into myths that nate alluded to earlier. Any comments there on both Todd and Shasha were talking about the service declines, right? Shannon, Nate, any any comments in terms of how you may have seen that play out out in the market?
2: Well, I mean, I think the service decline is just based on the fact that it's just too much volume. You know, it's not necessarily that it's a duopoly. If the duopoly could handle the volume, we'd be fine. I mean, that's ultimately what caused the service issues that everybody's experiences. Volumes went to, to, uh, 10 X. Yep. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, it's just, ah, the carriers have decided, you know what? I'm just not going to do it anymore. You know, right. it's, that was an old, old one that I used to hear back in the day when companies would be like, yeah, but I don't want the carrier to handle my freight differently. And it's like, look, they're handling billions of packages a year. They're not going to see yours on the. Computer. They
1: don't even know it's yours, right? Like,
2: hey, knock that one off, because they're <laughs> yeah. not paying us enough. That's not the case. I mean, and that's where I think the duopoly is fed into just overcapacity. Mm. That's what I think it boils down to, plain and simple.
0: Well said, Nate. Anything to add before we talk about myths? No, I think. I mean,
3: yeah, I mean volumes sort were of astronomically. You know, just through the roof, you know, yeah, it's just insane when you see volumes and even our current customers in the, volume. you you know, you, you wake up one night and you kind of look at what's going on. You're like, holy crap, their volumes are high. Mm.
2: Well, Let me put it in context for you guys real quick. So we had a customer who showed us their graph of volume and they, and in a two week period, they went, so this is for COVID when COVID hit and everything in a two week period, they went from their normal levels to above their peak volumes. And they hmm. said, normally an increase like that, we would have 18 months to plan for. We had two weeks. Dang. Yeah. So now put yourself in the shoes of the carriers experiencing all that. It's just, it's
1: not. Wow. long
0: sided, basically. Yeah. 18 months to two weeks of time to, to put a plan together. Okay. So I'll shift gears here for a minute. I appreciate the perspective you are sharing and the frank perspective you are sharing. It's such a fascinating time to be in supply chain, but certainly the freight side right? the core of what supply chain does is it's, it's, it's intriguing. So the pride of Brooklyn, New York is beyond James Malley It's also Barbara Streisand and Barbara Streisand had this quote. She said, myths are a waste of time. They prevent progression, end quote. So with that in mind, with that segue in mind, Shannon, I want to ask you, what's the biggest myth related to carrier diversification?
2: Boy, that's a good question. I would say, you know, there's the obvious stuff, of course, that, you know, the carriers can't, these carriers don't have the sophistication don't have the technology, all that stuff. But I would say, know if it's necessarily a myth but an unknown is if you think if you don't think that you have lanes that are subsidizing other lanes Mm. of your own freight you are not thinking about this correctly so by putting all of your freight you know because volume that's how you used to buy rates is i have all this volume i'm going to go to market with well there's a pocket of that volume That is expensive to the carrier. And they Hmm. have to recoup their cost on the pocket of the freight that's not expensive to them. And that's why you're you're subsidizing your own lanes. And to think that you're not, you're either a fool or you're not paying attention. (laughs) One or the other. So, So what
1: can you do about that, Shannon? I mean, do you think that this I'm curious? Do you think that this new broader spectrum of carriers does it allow you to pigeonhole some of that more costly freight
2: absolutely and i we've you know this is what i've seen on the ltl side the ltl side was the same thing customers would have huge volumes of freight with a carrier and they're like hey our ors are upside down and it's like yeah you're using them wrong uh and you know you go back to you know i don't really want to name the parcel carrier but you know when they increased residential delivery they said look we don't want it but if you're going to have us do it you're going to pay for it and we're going to make money off it mm-hmm. so there you go it's like that's a great example of where you know not every lane is a good lane not every type of shipment and you think about parcel what makes them very unique is that you know where you live greg your zone two one pound package costs the same amount undiscounted as where I live, my zone two, one pound package. Hmm. But you know, they're not the same. I've got different volumes going here. I have different freight densities than you do. So to think that I'm not subsidizing my own freight. If I have a DC in your area, that zone two cost is being subsidized maybe by my zone two cost here in my Phoenix location. Mm. And it's like, so that's where a regional guy would maybe make more sense because maybe in your footprint, they're incredibly optimal. And it's like that to me, it's, I don't know if you want to call that a myth, Mm. um, an unknown, whatever you want to call that.
0: Yep. Hey, really quick. And then we'll get your take.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good, that's a really good exposure, because I think people forget that suppliers, vendors of any kind, they're going to get their money out of you one way or the other, right? And they have to have a viable business as well. It's only fair, right?
2: Right. One one of the so. big two carriers, I remember going on a tour, this was years ago, and they had, they have 13 PhD mathematicians on staff. Wow. And I'll give you a hint, it's not to help you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Man, that's got to be... Let me
2: make a note of that, Shannon. Yeah, have you ever talked to a PhD mathematician? I've had the good fortune of talking to one once, and whoa. Man, <laughs> Did just come I away guess. confused. Those whoa. are the folks... I thought I knew something. Yeah. <laughs> those
0: are the folks that are working on the James Webb uh, Telescope, which those images have started to come in since yesterday. I don't know if y'all have seen that. But man, out of your league, Shannon... It's interesting to know kind of what you're up against there. Uh, and by the way, Nate, I'm coming to you next. But by the way, Todd and Shashi, big fans of what the, the points you're making there. Todd talks about this golden package when he was at FedEx. Mm-hmm. He says, my package is the only package, kind of that like golden package thinking. Uh, your point is valid, Shannon. Volume has outpaced capacity. Great point. Okay. So, Nate, we're talking myths, right? Myths. and And also maybe beyond myths. I've got a tough time saying that word for whatever reason. It's almost like a three syllable word, but myths. Anyway, it's maybe head trash for keeping you from making some changes, right? And and actually facing these assumptions that that probably a lot of folks, you know, they said it and forget it and put their, put their head and their bandwidth on other parts of business. But what else out there you want to call attention to as myths when it comes to carrier diversification? Yeah, I mean, I think with
3: all the new carriers that are popping up, I mean, you still hear it is these regional guys they just can't you know take this for me because we're not in their you know area it's like this national carrier but I mean if you think about again if you have data and you have technology that you can plug and play um, you can absolutely get creative and these carriers will get creative and I think we're seeing this now you know more than ever with you know recent acquisitions of even some of the regional guys you absolutely can do it differently. But the, you know, the, the still we still hear it all the time is I have the best, or, you know, I have a great rate. It's like you're single source with one of the big two, you know, and you're a you know, 20 million dollar small parcel shipper. You, you know,
1: you don't have you don't have a great rate. Is that what you're saying, Nate?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, we've got you know, some of the calls we've gotten to sit on where it's like, hey, unless you spend 700 million in small part, you know, in parcel spend, you know, you might start getting a good rate. But like, let's face it, you know, so I don't know. There's there's so many, I think, you know, that we hear that we come across um, and again, it comes down to the fear of the unknown and Mm. fear of change. And, Mm. you know, hey, what if I bring in new carriers are going to totally mess up my pricing with this one? Am I going to get in trouble? And it's like, hey, there's definitely someone today that can haul your package and do it probably at, you know, hit service and cost for you if you need it.
1: Huh? How do you verify that service? I'm curious. I mean, that fear, both of you, I think we all acknowledge it, but both of you have mentioned it. So how do you, how do you believe that it's okay to use deliver or part runner or whoever else is out there? There's hundreds, maybe thousands of them out there now. How do you verify that it's safe to switch to one of those?
2: (laughs) What's your definition of safe?
1: Uh, well, okay. So, I mean, it, is there any any indication, I guess, that should give us, uh, or is there any anything that should give us an indication of whatever the someone's definition of safety is? I mean, I, I think about it this way too. And I think this, talk about a myth. The myth is you're getting the best service you could from your carrier. We've just talked about that this entire time that you're not, right? Because even they are over capacity. So, You know, I think about it as what have we got to lose? We're paying too much in in many cases and getting subpar service. So what do we really have to lose unless they just absolutely can't deliver? So to me, it feels like the devil, you know, may be more dangerous than the devil you don't.
2: Well, and I always laugh when, you know, the reason why I ask what's your definition of safe is if I if we're talking about truckload, let's say this is a truckload move. So it's a full truck Mm -hmm of stuff. Most truckload carriers are owner operators, they own what less than you know, two to three on
1: average. 90% or are, are fewer than six vehicles. Yeah.
2: How do you know that's safe? Why are you okay <laughs> with that? You have a full truck? Yeah. Isn't that riskier? Help me understand your question yeah. a little bit better why there's one little package going with this carrier with thousands of other packages isn't it safety in numbers <laughs> up to a yeah. point right as we've said <laughs> yeah. with capacity but that's why i'm like you know how do you you know be you know these guys these carriers all have the latest technology and these you know with with cloud um and all that computing that's lowered the the cost barrier to have technology first of all and they all use the same basic backbone anyways for technology, you know, unless you're, you're one of the big two where you have your own, you know, unique device or Amazon with their own unique devices. And even Amazon, they're using a backbone that's a basic, uh, you know, smartphone app and stuff like that. So that's why to me now today, things have changed drastically because the technology barrier is gone, just doesn't exist anymore. But yet, Think about that truckload carrier, no technology, no visibility. I'm giving them a full 53 feet trailer full of stuff. Right. And I'm okay with that.
0: So... If I can, I want to add this this great comment in from John. John, thank you. And, and folks, we invite everybody's take on, on their observations, much like John's sharing here, especially as it relates to uh, what we've seen evolve and play out in recent years. John says, we track on-time performance for all the regional and national carriers on our network, as well as claims and other service metrics. He finds that some regionals perform very well in relation to the national carriers. Thank you uh, for that, John. All right. So I want to switch over to, uh, and Greg, I, I love your follow up question there in terms of, you know, defining safe and and channing your follow up comments there, because it's all about context, right? One person's safe shipping is the next person's nightmare. Uh, I may, I'm being a little bit dramatic, but you know, we all have our different definitions and different risk appetites, and and different operations. But I want to start with getting a better sense of outcomes. Outcomes with y'all speaking from personal experience, like Shannon, you've already shared a couple. Nate, when you look at some some successful carrier diversification programs, what comes to mind as really, you know, folks that were just over the moon with with where it has landed their organization?
3: Yeah, I could think of a recent one, you know, retailer, you know, they call it dinosauric or prehistoric in technology, you know, and I think that single sourced, you know, with one of the big two, and trying to become, you know, data driven, um, and how do you to leverage this you know, technology to go out and, you know, have a shot to to play at a carrier diversification strategy. Um, I mean, they, they had IT constraints. We had to move pretty quick to help them to be able to hit, you know, some stuff with peak. Uh, but I want to say that I think it was, you know, within sixty days. Some of it was up in 30 to 45, but 60 days were able to quickly deploy a strategy where they had not just the data helping them, but also technology to be able to have a, you know, a carry diversification strategy in place where they can finally go out and swing the bat and have a conversation with the big two to say, Hey, look, now that we have this technology in place, we can use anybody so that gives them a win but now they can figure out okay hey how are we going to do this differently when you have technology that can go do it so i want to say i think just doing that for 22 percent savings and again for them that that's a huge win yes wow. that doesn't account for you know it and having to maintain stuff or all the data time trying to figure this stuff out in excel and hey how are we going to go have solid conversations and win sitting at the table with the big two. yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, that, those are kind of the conversations we have daily, but that's, you know, a recent one I would say that, that we could speak to that, you know, is a, a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah.
0: Agreed. And, and beyond the savings, I wonder how you could quantify that incredible flexibility that you referenced on the front end to the operation that that's, that's huge, right? It's huge. And, and, and what that flexibility means moving forward, yeah. right? Speaking about, you know, going back to Shannon's point, Shannon, I'd love to know kind of a good case study that it comes to your mind. But going back to Shannon's earlier point of how sometimes we put our own constraints on, 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 on the options and possibilities. And yeah. just from a comfort standpoint, maybe, but Shannon, speak to, um speak to what you've seen in terms of really successful case studies.
2: Well, I mean, you know, we've had, you know, lots of customers where you know carriers been coming in to give them a big price increase, and by having the data, we were able to find you know the right opportunities to plug that gap. Carriers still got volume that they wanted. Again, this is the subsidizing of the lanes. That's why they were coming in with a pri- big price increase because it just didn't fit. You know, they were they were heavy in a certain area that the carrier was just very expensive in. And that's where they were able to bring in other carriers to haul that freight that fit them better. And really what happens is, yes, you get a great year one on it, but then year two, three, four, five and beyond, what happens is the carrier now realizes, and your carriers realize, that you're taking this more uh, quantitative approach. So when you tell them that this is what, you're going to get, they actually get it and when this is not what you're going to get. they actually don't get it. Um, that really gives you credibility. So then when you're sitting down with the carrier, it just completely changes the conversation. Uh, you know we actually had a carrier go up on the whiteboard with one of our customers and they just explained you know why. It's like, look, here's why that freight is expensive to us and they do right. a little mm-hmm. picture of their truck. And they're like, cause here's everything on the truck and here's, and that's all yours. And it's just really bulky and <laughs> really what we want. <laughs> but now if you had freight in this other area, right, that would be better. So that's ultimately what we end up seeing from a, from a result.
0: So I want to pick on something that Shannon just shared there, Greg, and get your take because Big part of the advantage, big part of the power and in, in diverse and in, in being able to diversify your carrier network is being able to change the conversations. If you walk into a room and you got 13 PhDs, which already gives me a heart attack, Shannon, to begin with what you're saying earlier. Goodness knows you better have the data and 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 have a lot more answers than they think you have as you try to negotiate those conversations. The conversation has got to be different. But Greg, your take on the on the examples that Nate and Shannon uh, spoke to there.
1: Yeah, some of it is not really negotiation, is it? It's just it's not a fit for their business and they don't have any choice. They're going to be inefficient because they're not built to carry that kind of of freight and they have to charge more because of that inefficiency. So if you can find someone like Nate and Shannon are talking about that is efficient at delivering overrun one roadway to an island or delivering... You know, delivering a certain kind of product, they can build economies of scale that allow them to charge you less. And you have to think about it from that perspective. And I think the risk is much less if you've got a specialty carrier that specializes in an area and can build economies of scale there or specializes in a type of freight or whatever and can build economies of scale than trying to jam it all into UPS or FedEx or the postal service. Yep. Right. So I think if you think about it from that perspective, then you realize you, you're likely, it seems like, you're likely to get more effective and timely and cost-effective service from, from a niche carrier if you've got really oddball or, you know, large or whatever, regionally specific uh, deliveries. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's usually um, more geography related is what I've seen. Cause you know, we've got another customer that ships right in the sweet spot of a carrier. I and mean, it's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense no brainer. to diversify, but again, mm-hmm. you gotta have the information, you gotta have the data to make a real informed decision. That's what it really boils down to.
0: That's right. Okay. I'm going to put, we're going to talk about the next steps for any of our listeners that want to maybe, put, you know, uh, lean into the expertise that Nate and Shannon offer an easy way to do that. But first, Dan, good afternoon. I'm going to pose this question, and we could always take this offline, but uh, Dan asked a good question here because uh, does the group have a perspective on a best practice cost of parcel shipments as a percentage of cost of goods sold? Shannon, Nate, any commentary there to Dan's question?
2: That's a loaded one. <laughs> uh, as yeah, low well, as possible, obviously.
1: Yeah, and usually parcel, uh, usually shipping would be below the line. It wouldn't be part of cost of goods sold, but if you're thinking of if you if you want to roll it together to compare it to retail, I could tell you this, a, a, an in-store on-premise retailer needs to make 26% gross margin just to break even. So, and that's arguably the delivered cost. So you need to have at least 26% gross margin left over once you've paid for shipping, I would yeah, think. Exactly. Maybe, maybe a little bit less if you don't own your own facilities or whatnot. Because I think
2: back back in the old days we used to look at uh, companies revenue and look at their freight costs as about ten percent ish of top line revenue it was like a rule of thumb that we used to use. I don't know how I don't know how that still applies today. With that was companies. all
1: inbound though, wasn't it, then or what it include outbound?
2: It was usually so you know, when we were going to like a, a billion dollar a year company, we were looking at a hundred million dollar usually outbound spend
1: oh okay no. so
2: we would be doing our rules of thumb usually back in the olden days <laughs>
0: <laughs> reminiscing now our next podcast rules of thumb, Right. Remi- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rules of thumb with shannon <laughs> ballon court we're May evolving been-
1: past thumbs now yes
0: that's right well dan thanks for tuned in and thanks for that question uh shannon uh greg thanks for uh, taking a stab at it but nate I want to talk, you know, we really enjoyed multiple conversations. One of the easiest ways that folks, I know y'all encouraged in to kick the tires, on trying something new. You know, to, to still one of my favorite Nate Endicott-isms is you got to get out of that lazy boy, quit eating donuts, and do something, man. I love what Nate shared that a couple of live streams back. But Nate, just how easy is it, you know, to join you and maybe the Rate Links team, do a demo, see if it's a good fit. For what these business leaders are trying to do, and and especially if some of what y'all have shared here today appeals to them. Nate, how how can folks do that?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. They can go to sales, send us an email at sales at ratelinks.com, and um, you can start there. We'd love to have a conversation. Um, You know, a lot of people have been, you know, calling and checking in lately and trying to figure out, hey, peaks around the corner. So, how do we? How do we do this? You know, a lot of times you can't pull out the technology. Um, you just don't have time to maybe do that. Maybe you do, but how do you, from a data side, gather all your insights uh, so that you can go and do this better and be more prepared to deliver on your initiatives? But uh, yeah, sales at ratelinks.com, and we are very responsive and we will get back to you.
0: It's just just that easy, and I promise you, folks. Uh, beyond talking all things freight and then some. Nate can share. You can compare notes from a baseball perspective. I love Nate's uh, experiences playing minor league ball. And while we may – Nate, who's your favorite major league team? I don't know if I've, we've ever talked about this.
3: I'm a Cubs fan. Cubs, a Cubs is fan.
0: That's right. Well, the Cubs are kind of rebuilding a little bit. <laughs> but, hey, they broke through finally a couple of years back, right? Yeah. And I think all of us, everybody was pulling for the Cubs uh, back then. Well, Nate, the so – the whole world. That's right. Folks, check out sales at ratelinks.com. The book that that demo, you'll enjoy the time spent. It'll be it'll, it'll be frank feedback. Who knows? Maybe you can take advantage of some of what Shannon and Nate have shared here today. Greg, before we uh, round it out and make sure folks know how to connect with Shannon and Nate, LinkedIn and elsewhere, your thoughts, especially as it relates to you know, kind of one of those undertoes as a part of this conversation, you can't keep doing things the way we've always been doing things based on all the market changes that everyone here has been speaking to, you know, you got to confront that fear of, of change, right. To, to better the operation. Well, you have gonna... to
1: embrace it. You absolutely have to embrace it now because the, the disruptions that we've had in the past are about to be inverted. And just about the time talk about a bullwhip effect, just about the time you're ready to handle greater volume than your capacity can handle. The curve is going to invert and and you're going to have a downturn in sales recession is coming right the, the, sounds like game of thrones doesn't it <laughs> recession is coming arguably or inarguably it is it is technically here right we've had two quarters of down gdp so it technically we are in recession now we're talking about global recessions and things like that so you can't you can't keep up with these kind of disruptions without technology and Shannon built this technology. Uh, we've long cavetched over this particular thing. Both of us, idiotically, started companies in in recessions. Somehow, built a company that was resilient enough to survive those recessions. Technology companies, which in the old days, when Shannon and I started companies, companies usually went away from technology right. as as business went down. Now that now many of the highest performing companies have have realized that that this is a way to eliminate fragility in your company by having technology that allows you to predict allows you to respond rapidly right and, and enables your people to deal with things in non-linear fashion right right because what was the truth yesterday may not be the truth tomorrow and technology can see through that and and help you understand how to navigate the truth of today
0: well said. That was a Hollywood script you just shared there, Greg. I would just add, it would equip you to go into battle with against those 13 data scientists that we've had so much fun with over the last hour. And win. And win. Really quick, we, we know that Shannon's had some big fans throughout the conversation. Todd, get this. Todd says, Nate's a beast. Good stuff <laughs> today, gents. So, Nate, you've got a big fan there uh, in Todd Burke. Todd, thank you. Thank, thanks for sharing. Throughout the conversation here today, Shashi also adds great topic, guys, more relevant to the current disruptions. Uh, And and yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree there. Okay, Shannon, let's start with you. How can folks connect with the one and only Shannon Valancourt and learn more?
2: Probably just hit me up on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Or, you know, if you reach out sales at ratelinks.com, it'll get back to me eventually. (laughs) I'm connected on all that stuff. Anyhow,
0: that's right. That is right. Finger on the pulse. Uh, Shannon, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. And Nate, the Beast Indicott. Hey, really have enjoyed, as always, your your contributions here and all that you do out there in industry. How can folks connect with you, Nate?
3: LinkedIn, you can message me there. I think if you click on my contact details on LinkedIn, it's all there. So It's without, all there. Without giving away phone numbers and social security <laughs> numbers here. Can- yeah.
1: And if you send the sales at Rate Links, it definitely goes to Nate before Shannon. (laughs) Well, hey, folks,
0: y'all check it out. Make sure you, at a minimum, you connect with Shannon and Nate. Check out that demo. It'll be worth your while. At least explore something new, right? Change that is perhaps best good thing for your organization. So big thanks to Shannon Ballancourt and Nate Endicott, both with Rate Links. We'll see y'all guys again very soon.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. All right. Whoa. Hey, the uh, the swoosh sometimes does wait for some folks. How about that? Greg, uh, love, you know, I love the, just the no nonsense. Both Shannon and Nate taking these conversations.
1: I think you we got they- a tiny inkling of nonsense from Shannon today, right? I mean, he, you know, he's, it's clear he has experienced this for a long time and feels really strongly about it. And I think, you know, I can definitely relate With where these folks are. They have been promoting, advancing, and using technology to solve these problems and to not just solve them, but prevent these problems for decades. And you know, I'm sure there's, you know, there's a certain aspect of this that's old hat, particularly for Shannon. And he sees it as a really simple, a really simple solution. And because they have, and I've looked into what they built because they have such a robust and mature technology. I can verify that, that it is that, yeah. right? So yeah, that's right. Clay zero days since our last <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I
0: love that diesel zero days since our last nonsense. Hey, as we all know, the power of a sense of humor has been something that we've all needed to cling to. Over the last couple of years, it's so important. But Clay, I love that. Uh, I appreciate this. This might be Dirk, perhaps. Uh, a great session today with Valuable Insights. Thank you for that. Hey, Joe Boyle, I appreciate your comment here as well. Super info. Yeah. I agree with folks that have been there and done that. Okay. Well, uh, as we've suggested, hey, check out. Hey, take action. Uh, check out uh, sales at greatlinks.com Check out that demo. See if it's a good fit for your organization. But whatever you do. Right. Whatever you do. Stealing the natism we identified earlier. You got to do something. Right. You can't sit there and, and wallow in the current state, man, because the market is changing, whether you like it or not, and whether Big you acknowledge time. it or not. Right, Greg? Big time. Kim winner, Appreciate you. Top show. Yes. Keep them coming. We're, we're cranking them out like donuts around here, Kim. But hey, with great guests. Right. You know, great guests equal great content. And Shannon and Nate are two of our faves. OK, folks. Big thanks to production team for knocking it out again today. Big thanks to our guests from Rate Links, Shannon and Nate. Big thanks to Greg White, who puts it out there as eloquently as it can be told. Greg, I'll tell you, I think you got a Hollywood scriptwriter in that home studio of yours there.
1: Well, I got to tell you, I feel, thank you, by the way, I feel a lot of affinity for what particularly Shannon has done with Rate Links because he has done it the right way. I mean, mm. he built a long lasting, company. And as you said, uh, you can't rest on your laurels. You can't rest on been there, done that either. It's, it's unique. It's a unique culture when a company, when a a group of professionals have been there and done that, and yet they are able to flex and change with evolving and and innovative times. So That's that's a very rare combination. And those are always special companies when, when, when people can do that.
0: Agreed, and there's lots of reindeer games out in the space, and and you know we have we have known rubbed elbows with right links for quite some time, and and there's no replacement for folks that do things the right way. So no hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for all the comments from Todd to Shashi to uh, all the, the the French fry w- uh, votes and opinions that came in earlier. Hopefully you now them. I know where to get French
1: fries in the Himalayas. <laughs> That's, That's right. good news. That is right,
0: but whatever you do, folks, uh, yeah, take a page from. Uh, Shannon and Nate and rate links uh, and all the comments here. Hey, do good, give forward and be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.